listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Oasis family, it's my pleasure to introduce to you this morning Dr. David Dukeson. David is a old friend of mine, and um, we've been talking about ministry and, and theology and Christianity for years and years. He's recently published a new book called Neighborliness, Finding the Beauty of God Across Dividing Lines. And I would highly recommend, I would highly recommend the book, and I would highly recommend David too. Uh, he has a message for us this morning that God has laid on his heart, particularly for Oasis Community Church, but it is, it is part of a larger message and burden that the Lord has given to David to share with churches around the country. And I'm delighted that he will be delivering the message for us this morning. So uh, please listen carefully. Uh, open your ears and open your heart to what the Lord might say to you this morning through David's message. Hello to the Oasis family. It's such a joy to be with you guys today. I'm actually filming this from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I bring my greetings from my wife, Dara, and my kids, Max and Mary, and Jack and Ben. I wish we could be with you guys today uh, in person, and I long to see you guys at some point in the near future, but today it'll be video because of this really weird 2020 that we're in the middle of right now, um, but I know that God's with us in the midst of it. Pastor Robbie, thank you so much for the investment that you've made into my life, not only as one of my favorite professors during my master's degree and my doctoral program at Southeastern University, but also as my friend and brother. I love you and I honor you uh, and the investment that you've made into my life and so many others. I pray that this morning I'm also to make, uh, able to make an investment into the Oasis family. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Psalm chapter one. And it says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So it begins to paint this picture of taking joy, delighting in Jesus. And I think that's really important, especially as we start to move through the teaching this morning, that we take delight in just meditating on God's word and being with and enjoying with and delighting with Jesus. Uh, but Psalm 1, chapter 3 gives some imagery that I think is really, really important. It says this, it describes those that spend time with Jesus, just extravagant time with Jesus. It says that they are like trees that are planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Now, I think this is really important because we're in the middle of one of the strangest seasons, the strangest seasons that I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Um, 2020 has uh, introduced us to social distancing. I uh, never heard that word. My 13-year-old my looked at me the other day and said, Dad, uh, before a few months ago, I'd never even heard that word, be, those, those words before. And I said, yeah, me neither. Um, we are in the middle of civil and political upheaval. We are in the middle of people who have felt left out and marginalized and overlooked all across our country, uh, crying out in the streets for over two months now for justice. 
And it's so important that we understand that even in the midst of seasons of upheaval and even in the midst of seasons where we feel like things are going completely haywire, that God is with us. You see, the the sustenance of our life, the substance of our life, the things that we draw our strength from, it does not come from the, the, the things that we see around us. It comes from something much deeper than that. And what I love about Psalm chapter one, and I think it just perfectly sets up the rest of this teaching today, which I'm actually gonna focus on Mark chapter four, which talks about planting seeds in the ground, is that if we properly locate where we are planting our seeds, it does not matter the, the, the circumstances that are around us in the world because our hope comes from Jesus. Philippians chapter four talks about that we can have peace in every circumstance, no matter what's going on around us. And so I wanna speak directly to those of you that might be in the middle of one of the hardest seasons of your life, that your peace does not come from financial security. Your peace does not come from uh, everything around you making sense. Your peace does not come from companionship or friendship. Your peace comes from a settledness in knowing that God is with you. Philippians 4 talks about that no matter what the circumstances are, that our peace can be found in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. And so I think that's really important as we explore that today. Now, there's one overarching question that I have for you that by the end of this message, I really hope that you'll be able to, to answer. And it's, it's very simple. What type of seeds are you planting? Now, I don't know a lot about planting. Um, I am a city boy. I have lived in Detroit, Michigan, Orlando, Florida, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, none of those places are major agricultural centers of our country. But I do know this, is that if I plant a tomato seed, that sometime, you know, a few days or weeks or a year later, however long it takes for a tomato seed to become a tomato, it's going to come up out of the ground and it's going to become a tomato because the type of seeds that we plant in the ground are the same thing that come up in the future. And so what I want to ask you this morning is what type of seeds are you planting? Now, not only what type of seeds are you planting, but what type of soil are you planting those seeds in? Now, Mark chapter four says this about the type of soil that we can plant our seeds in. And Jesus talks about a farmer that went out to plant some seed in Mark chapter four, starting in verse three. And it says, as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun because it didn't have deep roots. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants and they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop. And this is so important. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a hundred times a hundred times as much has, as had been planted. And it says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, what type of seeds are we planting in the ground, but also where are we planting those seeds? The soil of our lives, it's so important for us 
to understand the type of soil that we're planting in. Now, this, it talks about four different types of seed. One is a seed that is just scattered along a footpath and it can never grow deep enough roots in our life, which means that we need to be planting seeds of faith that are gonna actually get down deeper than just the superficial surface. The other one says that it plants a little bit underneath the surface, but it's so shallow that the sun can come in and just um, ruin that seed and it never sprouts to the fullness of what God intended. Now, as we look at that, um, your seeds of faith, the seeds that you're planting in your life, are you allowing it to get past the surface and then a little bit deeper? And then, and then if you don't plant it deep enough in your heart, which is that delighting in Jesus and delighting in the Lord and delighting in his presence and in his family and the people around you, are you allowing it to get deep enough to actually catch um, uh, the roots to, to, to catch all of the nutrients that are underneath the soil. Uh, the other type of seed that says that it's choked out by weeds and thorns and stuff like that, it says that this type of seed is uh, impacted by worry and impacted by stress that would come upon us. And I think that there's some people that are experiencing that right now in this season. That we want to be like a, a seed that is planted alongside of a riverbank and healthy in every season and stuff like that. But I think that right now in this type of season that we're experiencing in 2020, that there's a lot of worry and there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of things that are choking out what God has been trying to do in our lives. Now we want to make sure that the seed gets down deep enough in our hearts. Yes, but sometimes the seed that goes deep and we allow the word of God into our heart then can be choked out by just the things that we begin to have anxiety about. So what is that for you? Would it be worry? Are you worried about what the future looks like? Are you worried about your business? Are you worried about your family? Are you uh, feeling anxiety about being alone more than you've ever been alone in your entire life during this season? Are you worried about this pandemic? Now listen, my, my sister has been impacted deeply by the coronavirus, uh, multiple trips to the hospital, praying desperately that the Lord would, would heal her. And she's still fighting the effects of that. And I can let worry and doubt and fear control me every single day, or I can plant my seeds in the healthy soil of God's love and God's promises. And I can believe that God is going to be with us no matter what comes that there's peace, as it says in Philippians, beyond every circumstance. And so this morning, what, not only what type of seeds are you planting, seeds of faith, but where are you planting those seeds? Finally, it talks about the seeds that are uh, planted into the ground and then produce fruit in every single season, 30, 60, and even 100 times the amount that was planted. Now, here's what I know about planting seeds. Now, I said that if you plant a tomato seed, that a tomato is going to come up eventually. This also is a flip side. It's not just seeds of faith that we're planting. We can be planting seeds of worry. We can be planting seeds of doubt. In this type of season, when we have so much political and civil unrest going on in relation to economic and racial injustice in our country, we can plant seeds of divisiveness 
And, and I want to know not only what type of seeds are you planting and where are you planting them, but are you planting seeds of faith or are you planting seeds of fear and divisiveness? Now, one of the places that we can plant, um, and it's like, a, it's like an online garden, is Facebook. Um, we can sit behind the keyboard and we can say things about what is going on in our country that we would never say to our brothers or sisters if we were face to face. The book that I just wrote, Neighborliness, Finding the Beauty of God Across Dividing Lines, I wrote that out of a place of passion, out of my doctoral studies studying cyclical patterns of generational poverty. And actually, Pastor Robbie was one of my advisors uh, for my dissertation. And the more that I started to look at generational poverty, the more that I realized how much race and economics played into this and all of the divisiveness that, that has uh, been, been, uh, been uh, apparent in our country for so long, now all of a sudden is starting to rise up and more people are starting to see that. And so we can plant seeds that lead to healing or we can plant seeds that lead to more division in our culture. Now, not only do I believe that the type of seeds that we're planting are important, not only do I believe that the type of soil that we are planting in is important, I also believe that we have to know what to do with the seeds once they grow up into something beautiful. Now, I wanna look at Mark chapter four, verse 26, um, and moving on from there. This is what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer that scatters seed on the ground. And we've got to pay attention when Jesus says very simple things like uh, the kingdom of God is like this. Like a lawyer asked Jesus in Mark chapter 12, what's the most important thing that we can be working on in our faith? And he says very simply, love God and love neighbors as yourself. Now it's really important that we understand that when Jesus says things like a farmer that scatters seed, we have to take that on in our lives that we realize that every day that we wake up, that we're scattering some sort of seed all around. Now we've already gone over various different types of seed. Now let's talk about what happens when we scatter seed on the ground. It says that night and day while he's awake or asleep, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. Now this is really important because we have so much work to do as it relates to finding the beauty of God across dividing lines in our culture. Uh, we have so much work to do as we begin to explore racial and economic matters uh, in the body of Christ and in Oasis Community Church. Um, but here's the deal. We're not just called to work all the time towards equity. Now, I, I believe that we have a lot of work to do and we need to join our arms together and fight for equality and we need to fight for um, uh, uh, economic and racial injustice to be abolished in the name of Jesus. But also I want us to remember that whether we're working really hard or whether we're resting, that God is always at work. Now, when I read my Bible, um, I see a God of justice. I see a God that will not turn his head away from those and turn his eyes away from those who are oppressed and marginalized and overlooked. And right now, when we see so much of it on display in our country, it can feel so overwhelming. But I know this, that whether we are working towards it or whether we are resting, I know that God is with us and he is fighting battles that we can't even see. God has never called you to burn out. God has never called you to work so hard that you just crash. Uh, I remember after I planted Center City Church in Uptown Charlotte, 
I ended up in the hospital, and I'm not proud of this, in the 10 years that I planted that church, I ended up in the hospital four times because I was working so hard and trying to see this beautiful church come to life and trying to, to work towards provision for my family. Uh, I was working so hard that I was going past the limits of what God had asked me to do and into my own abilities, and my own abilities kept on putting me in the hospital because I was so stressed and I was so exhausted and I wasn't resting in Jesus. I wasn't like a tree that was planted alongside of a riverbank. I was like a tree that was rooted in my own ability. And that never brings peace and it never brings um, the, the sustenance that God has called us to. And so I love the mystery in Mark 4.27 as well. It says that not only is it that when the farmer is asleep or awake that the seed sprouts and grows, but it also says that the farmer doesn't even know how it happens because God is always at work doing things that we don't totally understand. I remember when I first moved to Charlotte, I would walk from one side of Uptown Charlotte to the other and I would pray prayers. I didn't hardly know anybody in Uptown Charlotte, but I would walk from one side of the city to the other and I would pray, God, I pray for that you would bring uh, revival to the city. I pray that there would be unity in our city. I pray that there would be um, an awakening in our city. And I had no idea what God was doing. Little did I know that he would set me on this path where I would be studying racial and economic injustice in our country and how the Bible speaks so strongly into that. Uh, little did I know that we would help start an organization that does holistic community redevelopment in our city. Millions of dollars of redevelopment in West Charlotte, uh, bringing equity to our family members in West Charlotte and our neighbors in West Charlotte that are living in poverty. I had no idea that the seeds that I was planting 12 years ago, as I would walk from one side of Uptown Charlotte to the other, I had no clue what God was doing, but I was called to pray. Now, what type of seeds are you planting? And then are you just sitting there staring at the seeds in the ground, hoping that they come up, or are you trusting that God is going to allow you to have a healthy rhythm of work and rest. You see, because we can work so hard that we overwork and we forget to rest and delight in Jesus. Mark 4, 28 uh, continues on and it says that the earth produces crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through and then the heads of wheat are formed and finally the grain ripens. Now, God is always in the business of using agricultural uh, metaphors in the scripture. And I believe that the reason that so many metaphors are used about agriculture in the Bible is because of the fact that it takes time. Now, do we believe that God can do something instantly? Well, I'm a Pentecostal guy. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe in divine healing and instantaneous healing. But I also know that most of the work that the, the Lord has done in my life has been marked by a journey of discipleship. It's been marked by a journey of faithfulness. It's been marked by seasons of unfaithfulness. And what I mean by that is that sometimes I take two steps forward and I take another step back. Sometimes I'm full of faith and other times I'm not. But here's the deal, is that if we believe that we're planting seeds in healthy soil and we believe that we're working and resting appropriately, 
over time, the grain is gonna ripen and we're going to see all of a sudden that this grain is starting to rise up out of the ground. Now, I got really excited when I read this next passage of scripture and I wanna, I wanna read it to you guys and then explain why I got so excited. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes in and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time has come. And I was so excited because I really believe this. I said this at the beginning of the teaching today. I believe a spirit-filled revival is coming to our country. I believe an awakening is coming to Oasis Community Church. I believe that God is bringing an awakening to our culture that we see it all around us right now, that people are starting to understand and ask questions. They're starting to read books. The top 10 selling books um, on, uh, on amazon.com over the last two months have all been related to racial and economic injustice. And we start to see that an awakening is happening. People's eyes are being opened. But y'all, if we don't root ourselves in Jesus, we're going to have a social message that ends in a social message. We believe that this is biblical justice. I'm all for social justice, but I believe that there is biblical justice that is coming to our country and that if we are willing to dig in and learn about our neighbors, learn about people that are different than us, learn how to connect across dividing lines, God is going to bring a beautiful awakening and a revival that is going to be marked by unity. Now, here's the deal though. If we don't know how to bring in the revival, if we don't know how to bring in the grain, so to speak, we're never gonna be able to see the fullness of the harvest returned. This is why it says right here, as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes in and harvests it with a sickle because the harvest is ready. And we're looking out over this beautiful field that is ready to be harvested. And this revival is ready to come in. And we are able to see people come to know Jesus and come to know the Father. And this revival is gonna be marked by unity. But here's the deal, I don't, I don't know what a sickle is. That's the first thought that I had when I started reading this a couple weeks ago was, I don't have any idea what a sickle is. And it turns out that a sickle is like this farming tool that's kind of shaped like this. I wish I had a sickle with me, but it's very sharp and it's and one person can hold it and it's kind of shaped like that. And a sickle is something that one person can use at a time. And, and the, the imagery that I believe that God is showing us with this metaphor of a sickle is that there is a huge harvest that God wants to bring in. And I need you guys to catch this this morning because if we wanna be a part of a spirit-filled revival that is marked by unity, y'all, we gotta start learning how to use a sickle. We need to start learning how to use the tools to appropriately bring in the harvest. You see the sickle is used and it kind of goes like this and one person at a time can cut off the grain and bring it in. And it means that we need a whole field of people that are starting to participate in bringing in a spirit-filled revival that is marked by unity. But if we don't all do our part, we are never going to see the revival that God has intended. Now, I believe this with every ounce of my being. I believe that you are called into relationship with Jesus 
And that when you are called into relationship with Jesus and you love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength, I believe that he then calls you into relationship with your neighbors. It's the greatest commandment to love God and love your neighbor. Genesis 1.27 says that all of us are created in the image of God. So who is our neighbor? It's anybody that is created in the image of God. I remember somebody asked me this question and I pose it to you this morning. Who do you think you're better than? Now, I know that that's a really straightforward question, especially for the fact that I don't know a lot of you guys at Oasis Community Church, but I know your pastor and I'm gonna use a little bit of that leeway right now to ask you that direct question. Who do you think you're better than? Somebody asked me that question and it really, really hit me. And I had to start exploring in my own heart, who do I think that I'm better than? I remember one of the most startling moments that I had in my journey exploring racial and economic matters was when I was talking to one of my friends who was living in poverty. And I asked that question during a Sunday morning church service. I said, who do you think you're better than? And my friend came back to me and said, I think I'm better than every one of those people that's living in those buildings and working in those buildings. And she pointed to Uptown Charlotte. And she said, I believe that I'm better than every one of those people that are living in lavish luxury because they're full of greed. And she said, I started to realize during the message that my heart was really impacted. And I started to search my own heart as the Psalmist David said, and I realized that I think I'm better than them because I'm working towards equity in our culture. And I think that they are just bringing more oppression and I never thought about it from that perspective before, that somebody could have that type of, in my mind, it was like a reverse type of discrimination because her heart was saying, I don't even wanna be in relationship with anybody in that city because I feel so overlooked and so marginalized. So let me ask you that question. Who do you think you're better than? Because if, if God has called each one of us to use a sickle and he's called us one at a time to do our part to bring in a spiritual awakening, a revival of unity that is coming to our country, I think that we need to really consider our own hearts. The Psalmist David prayed this prayer. I call it a prayer of implicit bias. He said, Lord, search my heart. Help me to know anything inside of me that offends you. And see, the thing is, is that David wasn't praying a prayer, asking for repentance for things that he knew that he was doing. David was asking that the Lord would help him to uncover things in his heart. Now, I think about what's going on in our culture right now. Um, if you have heard yourself say something like, well, I'm not racist, or I'm not one of those people that is oppressing somebody or marginalizing another, I think that we just need to pause for a moment and just admit that all of us have biases. And are we asking the Lord to search our hearts? Because the more that we allow the Lord to search our heart and uncover things in our heart, the more that we're going to be able to dive into relationships and engage in relationships with people who are different than us because we're gonna be doing it from a humble perspective. So who do you think you're better than? And can we just 
pause and ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Help me to know any way that offends you. And Lord, I pray that as I uncover things in my heart, that I would then courageously give those things over to you and ask for repentance in the name of Jesus. So we go back to Psalm chapter one, that we're to be like trees that are planted alongside of a riverbank, that our soil needs to be healthy, that we can pull from the strength and the soil, uh, the health of the soil of the river. We've got to plant healthy seed in healthy soil. And the promise is that if we move past worry and doubt and anxiety, and we plant the right type of seeds in the soil that the Lord is going to miraculously bring forth fruit in every season. He's going to rise up this beautiful thing in every single season. But then we need to know how to bring in the harvest. And what I believe is that there are just five things that I wanna share with you guys really quickly about practical next steps as we explore a revival of unity that is coming to our country. And these are just gonna be really short. You can write them down. Number one, education is action. The more that we learn, the more that we move forward. Education is not something that we um, are wasting our time by learning and growing in areas of racial and economic injustice. We are acting if we're taking time to learn. Number two, you're going to instinctively pass on what you know to other people. Parents, you're going to instinctively pass things on to your kids in the same way that you were raised. If there are things inside of you that have biases or, or implicit things that are inside of you, unless we search our heart, we're instinctively passing things on from one generation to the next. And the only way to move past that is to pray that prayer of implicit bias and say, Lord, would you search my heart and help me to know anything inside of me that offends you? We work on that and we start to take in new information and gospel-centered information that then moves us into a new relationship with God and a new relationship with others. Number three, you can't become an expert quickly, so take your time. Uh, I remember when I first learned how to drive uh, a really, really fast motorcycle, uh, I almost killed myself because a few days after I learned how to drive it, I took it out on the highway and I ramped that thing up to 100 miles an hour and I lost control of it and I almost skidded out on the highway. I almost killed myself because I was going too quick too fast. And as we try to learn about each other and we try and learn about um, a people across dividing lines from us, let's just take our time. Because if we truly want to see this revival of unity in our country, we got to give it time to, to really resonate in our spirit. So let's not try and go too quickly. Number four, don't be a slacktivist. Uh, a slacktivist is a combination of a slacker and an activist. A slacker is just somebody who's lazy. I think that the tool of a slacktivist is the computer, um, that we can sit behind the computer and spout all of our opinions and all of our uh, retweets. We can uh, share messages and message people about the latest thing that you heard about politics and defending your position um, of, of red or blue or this side of the line or this side of the line. A slacktivist will always stay um, outside of relationship because it takes energy and effort and a humble spirit to say things to somebody face to face that you would never say um, behind, the, there's things that you're saying on a computer that you would never say 
face-to-face. So don't be a slacktivist. An activist wants to bring change. A slacktivist wants to talk about change. And finally, just rest. Rest in Jesus. Uh, Rest and delight in the Father. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today is the perfect day to consider a relationship with Jesus. You see, it can be exhausting to see all of the things with sickness and pain and turmoil all around us in this world. But I know this, that when I focus on that, I'm exhausted. But when I find myself rooted in Jesus, I find myself whole and at peace, no matter what's going on around me. Not only do we need to rest in Jesus, but we need to rest with each other. Uh, If you're exploring relationships across dividing lines, yes, I want you to do the hard work of of self-examination. Yes, I want you to have hard conversations, but I also just want you to enjoy meals together because as we rest and delight in Jesus and our relationship grows with him, so too can we rest and delight with each other and our relationship can grow with one another. Now, finally, there's one last thing that I wanna say is that there are some of you guys that have just felt overwhelmed because you have been um, overlooked, marginalized, cast aside. And I want you guys to hear this. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe that this spirit-filled revival of unity that there are more people that are starting to will, that are willing to learn and grow in their own hearts. I believe that reinforcements are coming as we seek towards a biblical justice in our culture. But I believe that hope that has felt deferred for so long is actually coming. And there is a promise that is about to be fulfilled in the lives of many. So if you've been holding out and holding on for a long time, know that God is with you. He is for you. I'm with you. I am for you. Pastor Robbie and the team, the leadership team at Oasis is with you and for you. And I believe that when we plant healthy seeds and healthy soil, that God is going to raise up something that we can then join hands and work together to bring in a beautiful revival of unity. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus that Oasis would be a part, they would be participants in this revival of unity, that we would search our hearts, that we would ask tough questions, and that we would be able to see the spirit of neighborliness rise up and we would see relationships form as we find the beauty of God across dividing lines. We rest in you and your promises. We delight in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.